I'm Greg Dollar Coleman. Welcome to Ellipses Thinking, a podcast dedicated to exploring the nature of the creative journey in process. If an ellipses builds the perfect bridge from where you've both been and are now to where you're next meant to be, then what intrigues me most lives in the spaces between those three tiny dots. In the months following the announcement of the global pandemic, writer and theater director Dennis Garnham found himself facing a crisis of confidence and the despair that so many artists around the world were experiencing when their primary venues for creative expression went dark. Garnham, who has directed large-scale, complicated theater and opera productions across North America, has written and co-written several award-winning plays and adaptations, and is generally acknowledged to be one of this country's most admired and highly respected artistic directors, felt completely lost. Surrounded by a loving community, he agreed to withdraw his letter of resignation as artistic director of the Grand Theatre in London and instead pick up a backpack, buy a plane ticket, and head to Spain to tackle the Camino de Santiago, a choice that would prove to be a kind of personal rehearsal hall, allowing him to commit fully to the work of reigniting his creative spirit. Before leaving, he received much advice, some decorated to disguise a friend's fear, some a mixture of worry and wonder. Amongst these, were two powerful words offered by his mother-in-law. You know, when I was going, everybody shares their thoughts or their, you know, their concerns. Mostly people were worried for me that it would be unsafe and that I was in COVID and how could I do this in a different language and all that kind of stuff. And here, here was this 85-year-old woman who had walked a lot and had seen a lot and was just good, great fun, you know, and all she said to me was, my advice to you is walk softly. She didn't expand on it. She didn't you know, have a twinkle in her eye. She just said it. And when she said it, I thought, wow, that's, that's, a, that's, a, um, that's an, an option I didn't consider. This option of walking softly would serve Dennis on multiple levels over the course of his five-week, 830-kilometer Camino pilgrimage. As he shares in our conversation, there were a few powerful motivations which prompted the journey, but writing and publishing a book was not one of them. But right when he did, part poignant memoir, part charming travelogue toward beauty traces his travel, sharing his discoveries through the relationships with fellow pilgrims and most essentially through the deepening of his relationship with himself. Throughout the book, Garnham's story shines a light on the power of the human spirit to overcome heartbreak and fear and move toward beauty one soft step at a time. So I wanted to start this conversation by pulling the lens back, way back, um, and knowing that much of our discussion is likely to center around a very specific walking journey that you experienced and then wrote about, coupled with the knowledge that unplanned by me, but owing to some 
curious way, um, three of the guests in this season have all been drawn to recent Camino pilgrimages. I would love to simply begin by being curious about what it means to walk, what it means to you to walk. And, and to kick that ball into play, I, um, I want to share a statement uh, written by uh, an art historian and human rights activist, Sarah Lewis, who in her book, The Rise, says, constant walking is not just a mode of movement, it describes how we live. So where does that take you, Dennis? Uh, it's a great, you know, it's a great question because uh, what I found with walking the Camino was it took something that has always been in me and it elevated to a new level. So I've always understood the power of walking. I've always done most of my creative work going for a walk. So I'll go for when I'm trying to direct a play or, you know, figure out what to do with the season planning or whatever. I'll go for a walk. And I've always noticed that it, something magical happens in that. And the way that, you know, I mean, people laugh at me when I, like when I walk downtown or I, you know, I, I'll say, well, I'll meet you there. It'll take me two hours and say, well, you're driving, are you? And I'm like, well, why would I drive? I go walk. Right. So, um, you know, like Vancouver, when I was there recently last summer, I just I didn't get in the car and I would walk for hours. I did this eight hour walk through Vancouver now. Um, and so I think the power of, you know, how it, it takes you into your head, I think there's something um, you know, there's got to be science to what it does to your body and, and the chemicals that move through your head while you're moving like that and, and experiencing stuff. For me, it's the stimulation of, of the view, right? Mm -hmm. And then on a Camino, you're every, every moment of a walk is new every moment you're not going to the corner store you literally literally do not know what you're going to get and i found not only the surprise of it but the constant newness of it was just uh overwhelming in this way that you couldn't get bored you couldn't get uh, you know you couldn't get lost in a different place because your brain was always centered on like where am i where am i where am i where am i and then just enjoying like oh look oh you know yeah. One, I, I never stopped thinking about this one moment. I was walking through a forest uh, in Spain and uh, there was a staircase in this forest, like steps up and I go up these steps and then literally open, like kind of open this gate and all of a sudden I'm in the middle of a city and I had oh. no idea that was happening. And it literally was like <gasps> a gasp of how did that happen and how great that was to be not in control and not know literally it was like i walked like you know kind of like batman coming out of a sewer or something i was like yeah. oh hello everyone's looking at me with my backpack and i looked dazed <laughs> like oh this is a city oh i was in a forest a second ago for two hours uh, i mean as as you share that and and you and i both share a love and vocation around theater i mean it feels like a scene opens up and a scene opens. It's the, the pop-up theater that, that you just described, which again, in your anecdote is, was an actual experience. However, there's the, I'm hearing you on those two levels. I'm hearing you say this was and is what life can be. Uh, we can turn a, a, a corner where we've never turned before and rediscover, but deeper than that, that it isn't just about turning onto a new street. It's about turning onto that that metaphoric new place for, for sure well yeah. you know theater people know that we we are not different we're actually we are just the same and we are part of we just see the world in a kind of fuller more expressed way so you know i mean that was certainly on the walk the 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 
constant reminder of life is a theater. You know, you go to church and you watch the pageantry and you watch the, you know, the beginning and the middle and the end, the act one, act two, act three, you, you have the emotions, you have the highlight, all of that, you know, storytelling. Um, and I think, I think that was one of the things I loved the most about the walk was to be reignited with the notion of, of how, how, I, how I see the world or how artists see the world, how creative people, you know, we, we do see sunsets and we notice the color, not in an analytical way necessarily sometimes, but it's also, we see the, we see the sunset um, as an emotional experience. Right. It certainly yeah. opens that verb to see up, doesn't it? it oh, for sure. I, you're yeah. saying to see, but you're saying to feel. <laughs> the word to is to, to, to experience. Uh, totally, totally, yeah. totally. And when, you know, whenever you throw yourself into a new, experience that's when it comes alive you know I remember because it was in COVID that I was walking and I hadn't had theater for a very long time and one day I was sitting on one night I was sitting in the ocean because it just happened after a beautiful day and I sat in the ocean to watch the sunset and all of a sudden other people gathered because that's all we could do in COVID of course remember all that but then as soon as that gorgeous colors turned and went went down and disappeared we all applauded and I thought this is the first time I've heard applause in a year and a half and I hadn't heard, like I'd heard, I hear applause a lot. I'm an artistic director, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I was like, it was, you know, I just remember being so sad and happy at the same time, but reminding of, you know, the theater of the world watching it, like, why did we applaud that? Yeah. You know, we, the day ended. And, it's the magic you know, moment, isn't it? Magic, it's, it's, it's that which, which we, we dream of when creating a moment on stage, but you, mm. you, you can't. You can't. You can do all you can to curate it, but but in the end, it's 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 going to happen because it's supposed to happen in that moment. Right. So let's 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 wheel that back because you, you you've talked you've you've taken us you on the first couple of steps into that that Camino uh, pilgrimage, if you will. Uh, but 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 I want to wheel it back to the to the time before <laughs> before mm. you before you felt the, the the call to do so and. You know, as I was thinking about it, I, I had one of those moments where, you know, I, I suspect that that years from now, there will be uh, someone who will who will be able to say, I remember exactly where I was in March of 2020. You know, that moment when the world shut down and we all went inside with no real sense of, of when the doors were going to come uh, come open again and we'd emerge. And and I remember uh, being at an opening at the Citadel Theater in Edmonton with my wife and, and, and my son, who is an actor, but is also a rabid NBA fan. <laughs> and I, I recall the lights coming up at intermission and him just, you know, automatically flipping his phone to check on a Raptor score and the breath, he was gutted. And I thought, what, what did you just read? Um, and and he discovered that that the season had been canceled, right? The the rest of the season had been canceled, and and as we sort of sat back in the comfortable red plush seats that were about to be plunged into their own isolation, um, uh, you know, it, it became really clear that all of our seasons were about to be shut down. Um, so, what do you remember? What can you tell us of what you remember of that experience of that week in March of 2020? Oh, I remember it all very well. Um, um, so many colors of that. You know, it's interesting because you remind me, because especially now that we're in where we are, are at and, you know, people are coming back and masks are off. You remind me of one of the reasons that I wrote the book was to record a period in time. I remember that's one of the things that I thought, you know what, we while it was happening in COVID and hiking and all that, you know, this unique, uh, strange time we 
were in and I was in with the hike, I remember thinking, I want to, I want this recorded, especially for my kid. I want people, I want a way to remember the details. And so in, and I'm just, I'll get to your answer, but I just, you're just really catching me, Greg, that, that like, that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of having a happy moment right now thinking I'm so glad I did it because it already feels like we've moved away from it. So if you read a couple of pages, you, you kind of think, oh, whoa, we had masks on while we were sleeping in beds in hostels. Like we, we really did that, you know, like you couldn't think of that now. Um, but mm. I remember like the weird part is I remember that week very clearly. We were, so we were rehearsing Room, the North American premiere of Emma Donoghue's novel that had, had started a life in England and that we were, you know, very fortunate to have um, the Scottish Scottish director, the British designers, we had Canadian cast, we would worked on it and it was going to, you know, begin in our theater, go on to the Mervishes in Toronto. Um, and we put so much work into it and years of hopes and plans. And it was a really quite a big deal for the grand and we were quite excited. Um, and that was all during that week and previews were happening. And it was, again, it was a big show. So there's a lot of development and um, things revealed that were working really well. So it was kind of incredibly exciting, you know? So I remember the last preview, we had three previews on the Thursday night. Um, well, it's so funny because you're reminding me, Greg, too, is there's, there was a moment that night, it was so strange. Uh, I haven't even thought of this moment for till now, but that night, Thursday night, we were surprised that audience had come because people were getting panicking. Um, and I remember walking down the stairs of the balcony, from the balcony and thinking to myself, I love my job. Mm -hmm. And, but I remember a man, then a sec, I'm not kidding, 20 seconds later, came up to me and said, you love your job, don't you? And I was like, I, I literally wow. was like, did you just read, like, how did you just do that? Because that's literally what I thought. But he could see that on my face. Um, and then so we did the preview. And then after the preview, the, the, the director said, we're ready to opening. This is going to be amazing. And then again, the next morning, we had an ADM um, board meeting with a senior board. And we, you know, a board member said, this is a health crisis. So that became obvious. We had to stop. So we, we always... I don't know if it's ironic, but I ironically have a, a staff breakfast. So a warm breakfast, we get together um, and uh, every opening night is a beautiful tradition at the Grand. So everybody got together and people were very happy, but we didn't already knew the secret. Uh, my, my partner, Deb Harvey, and I knew that we had to tell everyone that we were shut down. So we literally got up and they thought we we're going to say really fun things about opening. We said, you know, COVID's here, we're going to close and uh, this is not opening tonight. And, you know, I remember, you know, Deb stopped and I just took over and we just kept talking because I could see the panic. I could see the tears. I could see the fear. And I, I just, something happened where I just, you know, laid it out as fast as I could. And, you know, but I said to them, and I remember this so clear, I said, don't worry, it's only two months. We'll be shut down for two months. It'll all be fine. That's what they've said. So we'll be, well, we just announced 15 plays for next season. They're all going to happen. It's all good. Just, we're just not going to get to do room. And everybody walked away, little knowing that it was like 18 months before we ever had anybody in the theater again, you know? Yeah. Um, so that day, I'll never forget that day as long as I live, that's for sure. And uh, it was the, it was a pretty horrific, you know, specifically, you know, you can't write this stuff, but literally we didn't do the opening night that we had planned, you know? So that got delayed. And eventually after two more tries, we eventually did. Yeah. So can I, can I just offer my acknowledgement that, that the word that comes to me right now is leadership. What, what mm -hmm. you just shared was the power of, of shared leadership as well, as you say, the, the way in which you and your partner, Deb, in, in her role and your role handled that 
um, you know, ironically, in a in 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 a house of drama, um, you settled it all. And and and, but how did you attend to your own heart? I didn't in the moment. I mean, I think mm. something. Um, uh, you know, I'm a pretty emotional, romantic guy, and uh, I'm you know prone to tears when I get excited and you know celebratory or whatever, any of that stuff. Uh, but you're right, Greg. Something. What was interesting is we got up, and Deb, who's the the executive director, who's very strong, she started to speak, and she broke down within four words and turned around, and it was terrifying. I was I've never seen her be like that. And she turned her back because she was couldn't believe what was happening, and that's where the adrenaline for me just went, and I literally thought, you know, we are sinking, and I got I I I. Uh, um, I, something took over. So there was no emotion for me that day. And I actually, I didn't have emotion for a very long time. Um, mm. uh, and I think that's, you know, did I take care of my heart? Not for a very, very long time. That's part, partially why I found myself in such a dark place is that not because I was, it's, I'm, I'm not a hero. It wasn't like I was, you know, saving everybody every day. I just, I just denied, I think for a long time, what I was feeling. You know, because I, because yeah. well, you know, when you're leading, you know, you've got the, it's not the time for you. Um, yeah. I, I, and I remember at the time, though, that the worst part was this feeling of the Grand Theater, the 100 year old institution was going to fold and close. And I'm, yeah. everyone's going to say, who was the artistic director when they closed the Grand? And they're going to say, oh, that Garnham guy. And I remember thinking, this is like my worst nightmare, um, my literally worst nightmare, because I've loved the Grand my whole life growing up in that city. So, yeah. That, you know, at the time I thought we're losing so much money every day. Why? There's no government support. Nothing's, no one's going to help us. Like we could, there's people dying. This is not important mm-hmm. compared to that, you know, and, uh, but like by the grace, things did take, got ter- taken care of and we did have a lot of angels, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, it's a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot. So we've referenced tangentially the book, but let's, let's just, let's set that up so you 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 come back from and 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 as you mentioned you've you've chosen to record it not necessarily knowing what or what what form it may take but you're going to hold on to that and 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 the result is a book that is sitting beside me toward beauty reigniting a creative life on the Camino de Santiago I I often get drawn to the subtitles so Mm. reigniting a creative life on the Camino de Santiago um, it's my understanding that as I read it, you've clearly led a creative life all your life, um, which makes me curious about what was life, what, what what about life was it that you were looking to to reignite? And and to get to that, I guess I, what, what I'm drawn to is the dedication in the book, which simply stated hmm. to those walking the path, asking the questions. So what questions were you asking of Dennis at the beginning as you stepped out there? Yeah, it's a lot, isn't it? You're you're bringing you're bringing me all back. <laughs> um, uh, the I one of the greatest things for me in my life is that I've always known what I wanted. I was the ten year old kid who always knew he wanted to be a director and wanted to be an artistic director in the theater. And I didn't mm-hmm. have it from I didn't have it from my family. It came from who knows where and the the, the you know early 
incredible human beings I was surrounded by, but that was very clear to me. I've often said I've, I'm, I'm so lucky because I've never hesitated. I was, you know, and my university friends, like now when they look back, they're like, yeah, you were the kid in university. We all knew you were going to be an artistic director. And I was like, what do you mean? And like, yeah, Dennis, you like would do class, go home, you know, learn about every theater in the world, come back, tell us, you know, it's not that you were better. It's just that you were so driven that's what you wanted. So when you're that driven and you're do, living your dream and then it's all taken from you so instantly and fast, you're not prepared, you know, like in my next life, I definitely will be more well-rounded. I've learned that. Um, and so it caught me so off in terms of who am I and what I am I? And it really comes down to purpose, trying to figure out, you know, like what's the question I was asking is like, what's the purpose anymore, Mr. Gurnham? Like, why are you here? What can you do? who cares why does theater matter um why do you matter if you can all be taken away and you know so badly um so it really became uh, like a kind of a really a big question of what do you who are you now not like not what are you going to do because I didn't want to do anything I literally was I wouldn't get out of bed for days and all of that stuff um you know and even it was interesting because even even starting the hike you know it was like you know you I kind of pushed myself there and I wasn't like it, I was both so uh, excited by the adventure of starting but also uh, you know hesitant that like why was I, I was terrified and I was you know but I dragged myself onto the hike so it took the first week to kind of embrace that so you know after the like the breakdown I had a breakdown on day four in a church after I'd walked a long distance but all of a sudden it kind of I thought I thought oh I've, I'm walking away from it you know I've gone to Spain and I'm hiking away and I'm not crying and I'm good and you know I'm like that's a good that's that worked you can you know run away but but when it caught up to me in that church that one day and it just caught up me hard like okay that's where you begin I think the other thing about this stuff is you know Greg is that like yeah the the conversations in my head and the conversations on my walk were not what I, I predicted they would be, you know, like, like I spent weeks, the first few weeks, just, I don't know what was going on in my head. And then week three, I remember wake, waking up one day thinking, okay, now let's figure out what happened in COVID in theater and what you did. You, you spend the whole day, Dennis, you pull it apart and you're, you're vulnerable now. So figure out how you messed up and how you did right. And what, just figure it out. Like, and I thought, okay, okay. So I started, you know, three week three being by myself and I started to pull it apart and I thought, there's not a lot there. Like I did the best I could. It's not my fault. <laughs> you didn't start you know, the damn thing. <laughs> I didn't start the thing and I did the best I could in the moment. And I like literally, like I, I, it took me about half an hour. I'm like, well, like, sure. I could have, maybe I, Yeah. I did with the yeah. best I could. And that surprised me too. Like, you know, and I, it's not that it was all perfect or anything, but, but just how, like, I think, you know, when people talk about the Camino and the hike and that time, it's always a mystery unless you've done it, like anything in life, it's a, people are like, what is that? What happens? Like, are you all pro, you're pilgrims and you make friends. I don't get it. And, you know, I, I was listening to a podcast about it the other day and I, I thought, yeah, if you don't know what we're talking about, that's fine. But it isn't, and it isn't, but even if you hear all you hear, it's not what you think it is, right? So um, uh, I was amazed at how, how the, 
how the time was spent. It wasn't mm-hmm. spent. You know, I came with my list of questions and I didn't, <laughs> those weren't the answers I was, I didn't work on those questions too much. Yeah. What drew me to your book was that that was, that was the room, if you will, uh, in which we were going to, to get to know somebody who was taking the time to do some work, important work, maybe, maybe not the work he thought he was, he was out to do. And, and, and my desire in, you know, in, in, in touching into these conversations is, it comes from a, a place of, of deep belief that the, the journeys we're on are our own individual to have and at the same time that sense of affinity so you know I, 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 the many of the, the things that were i'm most curious about like like what the questions were what what where you where you found the truths for yourself and what i think i'm hearing is about how you have entered into a place and continue to enter into a place of who am i now which is all about identity and those seem to be the themes that are most intriguing to anyone Mm-hmm. who is willing to do the work, which is maybe what it really means to be creative. And your story, there's, there, for me, there's these, these beautiful truths. And, and one of them, you know, one of them came up right off the top. I think it's the, it's one of the chapter titles and it, and it, and it sort of sat as, as a gift of advice, a bit of a, you know, a, a mantra or a, a, a thing for you to hold on to. It could easily have been a sign posted on a, a piece of paper somewhere on, on the route, but it's walk softly. Uh, mm. Two words that mm. were offered to you by mm. your mother-in-law, Eileen. So, mm-hmm. how how did the gift of those words serve you? And and I'm also curious how how they changed over time, or if they mm. changed over time for you. Yeah, it was a great question. The the you know when I was going, everybody shares their thoughts or their you know their concerns. Mostly, people were worried for me that it would be unsafe and that I was in COVID and how could I do this in a different language and all that kind of stuff. And here here was this eighty five year old woman who had walked a lot and had seen a lot and was just good, great fun, you know. And all she said to me was, "My advice to you is walk softly." She didn't expand on it. She didn't you know have a twinkle in her eye she just said it and when she said it uh, wow that's that's a that's a um that's an an option i didn't consider (laughs) Mm. you know and i thought oh oh, right right so what i what so when i started off it took me into um like first it took me into the land of like don't be hard on yourself take care of your body um uh there's no right way to do things um and don't go fast, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know? And so that, that all would play in. And I would think about it all the time, just when I, cause you know, I was always, that's I'm, I'm, I've been a go-getter my whole life. So, you know, I would get, get, get places. And if I got too wound up, I just like, slow down, walk softly, slow it down, slow it down. Like whether it's a conversation or a, you know, a notion, you know, I also, I also, one of the things about, toward beauty i i decided for myself is when i had um when i had an option if someone said let's go to this bar tonight or you know you can go home i would always think which one is going to make me toward step step me toward beauty i was like well because i'm i am ultimately often a pretty shy guy so i'd just go home and say yeah i'm good i gotta walk tomorrow but i think no no i can't do that i have to go out with them because they're gonna probably give me some some beauty will result from that Hmm. 
And I found though that by the, you know, the walk softly, it, it, it made more sense the more I walked and the more it, I, more I traveled, I just, it just became this whole idea about peace. I think, I think walk softly meant just find the peace in it all. Mm, lovely. And I suspect it will continue to be a part of your, you know, <laughs> the, the, the ephemeral tattoos that we that we carry not necessarily emblazoned on our on our body but in our heart and i think the uh, i think i love that you asked said that because one of the things that that's um um layered for me is so when i went on the walk i had a feeling i might want to write about a book about it and so i did a very strange thing having never written a book i've written plays and such but i um took my phone and i brought a temporary um, um tiny little keyboard so i thought i'm gonna i'll know if i'm gonna write a book about this i have to find out because someone said just make notes and all this kind of stuff i think i'm not sure so there i was in the madrid airport this after a long flight and i sat down i had eight hours to wait so i just sat down and i was surprised to discover that i would start writing the book like i didn't i wrote a chapter like i wrote i thought get down how do you feel before you start walking get it all out before you walking right makes sense but rather than writing it in um fact form i wrote it in prose and i wrote a story and i was the woman in the coffee and all this kind of stuff and so so i wrote something like forty thousand words and i didn't tell one person on my walk that i was doing it i thought i will mess you up if you think i'm writing a book and you're going to be in it <laughs> so <laughs> and some days i would write and sometimes i wouldn't write and i would think oh this happened and i would also write to understand it so i had a certain level of understanding when I got back, but it was only when I when I started working with an editor, which I I called it. It was I, it was kind of a book coach. So I had two. I had a a guy named Galley from LA who was my coach first before we got to my editor because I wasn't yeah. quite done on the storytelling, um, and he was the one. Uh, like I think Greg, you'd probably be very good at this as one. He would be the one to pull draw me out, and he warned me. Said I'm going to be your therapist, and because it's your <laughs> memoir, so I'm going to you know drill down. So in a lot of the book, you know, like I I'm always going toward beauty, and he kept saying to me, what what's what what's ugly in your life? Why like you don't go toward beauty unless you get ugly? And I'm like, what? I didn't have any luck yet. I have a great life. He's like, did you? You know, and then he's like, when you're, let's talk about your childhood, you know, classic, right? And I'm like, oh, yes. And so he helped me connect some stuff. So in the book, a lot, a lot of this feels like, you know, daily clear epiphanies. And really, it was half there, but half realized in the second edit of it, like in this moment, what's happening here, or, you know, like, it's all true. So if I talk about, you know, a beautiful sitting on the sunset, and how, it, you know, I'm drawn to the beauty of a sunset, because of the ugly of my childhood, that I didn't write that that day, that's how it appears in the sure. book. But, but it is what I was feeling that day, and I didn't understand, which is quite the beautiful thing. But to your point of your question, one of the people I walk with, Joy, she said to me, you know, your Camino experience, some people have the epiphany on it, and some people it takes a long time. And so the thing that's interesting to me is that um, I had very strong moments on the Camino, but every week, and it's been over a year and a half now every week i am camino stronger i feel more that i've walked softly i walk softly even now more than ever and the epiphanies that are happening now they're all seated in the book and they're all this idea of this is what i think i've learned and now i'm living the book full out this idea of living a creative life and you know i've recently announced that i'm departing the grand theater after seven incredible years and it's directly related to my walk yeah. and directly to realizing 
Um, you know, A, I'm so grateful for the time here. It's been incredible. I'm leaving on a high, but it is a Camino. It is because of the Camino where the Camino reminds you that you are bigger than any one job. You are bigger than any one title and, and you need to dare to find that. Right. So like, yeah, I definitely walk soft, you know, softly and even, you know, even more. I think you've also shed light and reminded us about living um, in draft form. Mm. That, you know, the, 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 and you know this, having written plays, but certainly having been alongside other writers in the theater, uh, where where that workshop is is not just about what you know the pat on the back. This is good. Let's let's you know it's about what else and and how can we drill down and why do we bring other collaborative uh, artists into that mix is to be able to see things from angles and perspectives that that you can't. And I wonder in a way if those if some of those the the relationships with those individuals that you didn't know you would meet. Mm. who who were a part of the spark that was going to ultimately reignite and relight if that didn't become your your ensemble your communal ensemble in this particular way i mean i i, I know that you're a team guy I, that comes so so clearly mm. through but i also know because you dedicated your life to a collaborative art form well we um so i'll said we you know we have this profession in the theater where how many people go to work get in a room together and then and literally spend the day together saying let's talk about the human condition and i'm going to tell no i think i i think i would feel like this about this thing like it's it's so weird and so unusual that we have that right most people even if you have meetings you're not in a meeting eight hours a day that's what a rehearsal is right so there's that um but i think that's that that's what um it's so wild because when I look at it, um, I you know I ran away to the Camino to get away from everybody, yeah. not knowing that what would really help me would be besides the, you know the tra- travel and the distance is is the meeting of strangers and there's nothing better no matter what than traveling and meeting people from around the world and the amount of you know the amount of agreement that i found on the camino was shocking like people that i would meet and we talk about things like covid and all it doesn't matter i was working in the theater and they were a business person in prague it was the same conversation and that made me feel you know, more connected to the world and not so, so, you know, alone in that. Um, and when, you know, I think from, I can only speak for me, but in my position, I always feel like in my position, there's the, you know, there's, it's a weird position because it's a bit lonely in terms of, you know, the people I hire, but like, like, there's not a lot of me's to hang out with. So mm-hmm. some days I feel less than um, confident that I'm a interesting human being. But when you go walking on a Camino and people don't know that you are a theater director and I could hire you and they just like you because they think you're funny, it's really, it's really a gift. Like, it's yeah. like that. I mean, that was the, the beautiful thing was like, you know, we had a lot of fun. I met, I walked yeah. with, I walked with these two 28 year old Parisians for four <laughs> days and it was so fun and so great. And my, still my, one of my favorite moments was on the last day. You know, Nico said, so you work in the theater, don't, or is that what you said? And I'm like, I just laughed. I was like, yeah. And then I changed the subject. It, we didn't talk about it. Like, I was like, wow, I've, that's all I've talked about for 54 years. And now we talked, I don't know, we talked about kids and, and ocean and the world and, you know, yeah. So, so I think that is the, it's such a, it's, it's such an easy um, medicine 
throw yourself in a world where people don't know you because then you can you know one of the fun things that they say about the community you know, that i didn't really try is you could be who you want someone said to me you be who you want you can change your name you know what i mean <laughs> you can change your job just be who you want but i'm you know and you're also walking with people who are like sweating in t-shirts and shorts and backpack and like you know like then it comes out like oh i'm a big banker or i'm an actor or i'm a you know like whatever but that's all secondary because yeah. all you look like is a hiker which i yeah, think it's is so beautifully leveling leveling it's so beautifully leveling right and then you literally yeah i mean the first question you you don't ask somebody on the camino is like what do you do for a living like yeah. it, it never starts there because you don't care yeah. You, you're, you're always like, you know, what country are you from? And, you know, how long have you walked? It felt like as, as, as I was meeting some of these people tangentially through you meeting them, what I was really meeting was or seeing and witnessing was you mm. re-meet yourself. Mm. Mm. You know, you, you, yeah, you were connecting and making. And, and as you and other uh, uh, Camino walkers have shared with me and, and, and certainly in other writings, you're not necessarily, they weren't there to, to build a new community of friends is uh, things happen and you connect and you may not see them. Or as in the case of, of your, of, of, of your recounting of joy, that there was that, which I absolutely loved. I've met joy on, on the walk and it was so early, but really, really the journey was yours to be with you and to meet mm-hmm. you anew and afresh. Well, thank you for that. You know what, that, that is, um, again, I, I credit Galley. Um, he said, cause I, you know, I'd written the first draft and he's a, an incredible coach. And he said, he said something to me, he said, we only care about what you see. We don't care about, don't describe the town, describe your version of the town. Tell us what you care about. And he also said something to me, which was really changed it for me, especially as a director. He said, this is a book about a guy named Dennis who goes on a hike. This isn't about you. It's about a character. So we're going to work on the character and what we want to know about his journey. I don't care about your trip. And so as soon as he said that, I thought, right, okay, great. So the more, and that's kind of why I open up so much in the book, uh, you know, all the real personal stuff. And it's lots of personal stuff. Like, I can't believe, you know, you know, the first men I kissed and all this, like that was never going to be in a book in my life. Mm-hmm. And then I just became, it became necessary. Like it really felt like, no, no, this is necessary. You know, I, 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 you know, we should all be so lucky to write down our story. And that's what I felt like, here's my time to tell my story and for you to take it as you take it. Mm-hmm. What I've loved, and I think this is a, you know, a kind of a comment on life is that people's feedback on the book have been so varied and it's always tell it's always about them always about them they'll say oh the book like i don't really care about hiking but when you talk about the catholic church i really related to that you know i had a colleague said to me like i you know the book is very you know i like the book very good they, but they said you know when you talk about your child who was adopted i don't think i ever told you my child was adopted too and i was like what and she said this is what resonates to me and it's a very small aspect of my story like in terms of the book it's a big ask of life but i was so moved that that's how she connected to it right like and that's how we connect as human beings is the you know and again when you're you're in spain in a hostel and you're you're hanging out with spaniards who you feel so united by you know like you don't feel you feel a sameness with them even though they're living a completely different life you know 
you know, it's just such a powerful reminder. And that, I, I guess that's, I, I think, I think that's why the Camino has the power is everyone gets to be reminded. And the other thing about it, Greg, is that everybody's story is more interesting than yours. Um, right. Everybody. And you know, you learn real quick, everybody's there for a reason. Right. Even if it's just like uh, like my two Parisians, they wanted just to do a little bit of quick hiking, illegally camping for two weeks. And it wasn't no deep meaning to their lives. But, you know, other ones were very much like, who am I? What kind of life do I lead? You know, I met this man, Paul Paulo from the Czech Republic and we hiked, you know, for four hours together and i you know he tells me within seconds that he's a you know a medic and covid's too much for him and he's 25 and he doesn't know if he should do this for his life anymore but he loves to hike and he wants to figure out the meaning of life and you know and like oh okay and his dad's of course an actor in Prague, so he's like oh my god you're tim i was a superstar to him because i ran a theater company and he you know he's like can i come see your theater and like oh my god you know and i I, yeah i didn't get his contact but i and he's in my book but i was like i I think about him and he inspired me and humanized you know the covid experience from you know a frontline worker he's 25 you know he's like i've seen too much already if i may i just i'm gonna pull it back to your world of the theater because Mm. as as you know as a director you're working with actors who are focused so much in the rehearsal hall on their character and the realization of that but but there was just something that really landed on me and that Mm. was how the real work of 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 the actor i suppose in in opening the story up is to see every other character perhaps in a way that makes mm. them it was it was your word that that their story is more interesting and i mean you know you, you go to that that rule in improvisation of make your partner look better and your work is reflective of that uh that in, in engagement so I, I just i really just felt i <laughs> i just mm. wanted to, to I bring it. that in because yeah there's a i mean what? what would the world be like if we if we truly honored that everybody's story not from a competitive, not from a self, you know, uh, diminishing standpoint, but just everybody's story is so fascinating. I was doing, it's funny, you, you, years ago I was doing, I think it was directing King Lear and I was trying to edit it down and I was trying to cut up, you know, there's millions of characters in all these Shakespeare plays and I was trying to cut out a character because that's what you want to do because there's yeah. 85 of them. And then it, it was like six lines and then I was like, I, I have to kind of get rid of this character. And then when I really went through it, I went over and over and went, Oh, it's vital what that six lines are. I can that act that character has to say that line. It can't be given away to another character. It, I like Shakespeare never wasted a word, right? Yeah. So in life, and I think I, you know, I'll often say that to actors in a play, like, why are you here? Why is your character here? There's got to be a vital reason you're here and not somebody else, right? But I also think when you go on these journeys, like sometimes, sometimes. I would have that moment where I think, why am I in this, like in this new dinner gathering, you know, in Northeastern Spain, there's eight of us. And who am I in this eight? Like, oh, I'm the funny guy, or I'm the quiet guy, or I'm the, you know, I'm the ringleader, whatever it was, but you know, mm. you can see these things kind of more clear. And, and, uh, you know, I, I, it's in my book, but I told you that, you know, I, I didn't want to meet people. And then I met this woman named Joy from England who fell for her. And then she disappeared. And then I was walking with these Parisians and we were having a hilarious time. And I, you know, walked down the path and there's Joy 
like two weeks later there she's sitting there on the and i'm like see this lady i'm like i know her i'm like oh. joy and she's like we're in a forest she's like hi and then you know so then um nikos says like like dennis you're a magnet for friends and i'm like mm. like he just said it casually but for me who had been having such a hard time with who am i what am i doing i'm like i'm a magnet for friends here in spain how did like it just it was such a um a gift for me yeah. and i think that's what the the pe- people do on the camino without trying without mm-hmm. trying it's not it's it's you know it's like a effort effort list to just yeah. i mean it take you i think people get nervous for the first day and then you you know <laughs> you're weeping when you're saying goodbye yeah it's pretty stunning yeah and the gift of the naming ceremony in a way naming that which they see reflected in, mm. in how they're receiving you which is <sighs> I mean, how do, how do we imbue that in our daily life without mm. without it becoming um, you know a, a, a fuel for the ego in a in an in, in an inappropriate way? But but to be able to to be so truly yourself, a magnet for friends that somebody you hardly know is able to recognize the truth in in you. That's right. Powerful. When that's not what you're looking for. I wasn't going there to make friends and to be told I I was a friend magnet. That was not, you know, but that's what I needed to experience or see. Right. I mean, I, I'm wondering, did you need to be seen Mm, in order to mm, see yourself mm, mm, freshly? mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the other thing. There's a lot of mirrors being put up when you're, you know, like when you're sitting at a table and people saying, what's your story? Like, who are you? And you're like, you know, like they're trying to understand. They're just curious, right? And yeah. it's amazing, also in a community, what you how you answer that question because you got where you start from zero. So it's like, but the curiosity—that's again the thing that is is beautiful about a community—is that you, if you got a backpack on, you you don't you're there for a reason. Mm-hmm. So you you're not afraid to say, you know, why are you here? Yeah. Like, you know. So it's it's interesting, you know. I started with uh, with drawing out walk walk softly and 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 just these these little gems that were there, and and there have there were a few of them that came in, and one of them you dropped in quite early, um, and I, I I think I know where it came from because it it really I I think I've been in a similar conversation, but um, and potentially with the person who dropped it into your vernacular, but it's just information. Mm-hmm. And you use that early on as a as a, a kind of a reminder of don't get ahead of yourself, Dennis. Just just take it all in and 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 where that comes from. So if if somebody's just just wondering what the heck are you talking about, can you <laughs> can you just give us a little bit? Because again, I I what I, I read it and I thought, oh, I got to hold on to that. I got to remember that. That is so helpful. And if, so if helpful. we're offering things that are helpful, <laughs> yeah, to, yeah, yeah, to people that sure. tune in, what, what's sure. what's what's well, that about you know, for you? Yeah, my my good friend and a producer at Theater Calgary, Leslie McMillan, she she would say to me, she was very such so clear and confident in, in, in her role there, and she would be very clear with things. So when something would go well, she'd say, "Well, it's just information, Dennis. Like we just you know sold a lot of tickets or whatever." And I'd say, "Oh, okay, that's not very nice." And then she'd say, "You know, if something we didn't sell tickets, she'd say, well, it's just information.'" And I think, "Oh, well, that's nice." So the idea of leveling the playing field and saying, "You know what?" information is there for you to garner so even if like you know you've, if you're gonna do it you want to ever you're always wanting to create a hit show so of course opening night is a thrilling thing like oh yeah but 
to hum to clarify, it's just information. You were hoping to to be successful, and. Leslie's point of view would always be, you know, if it didn't go well, it's just information. People didn't show up. Oh, okay. That's just, that that's, doesn't mean the world's cruel and people hate your direction and think you're a terrible being. It just means they didn't show up. So what's the information? Well, did they get the, inf you know, did they find it, et cetera, et cetera. So I used to not be thrilled with that notion because some, because I, because it, it's, it, it, it stops things when you say it's just information, but on the Camino it kind of reappeared to me and it reappeared to me really quickly when I would do things wrong. Yeah. It started, it literally came to me the one day that I kind of took the wrong path and I just realized, no, it's just information. I can do this better in the future. And the more you adopt that, and again, people have been reading the book. That's one of the ones, Greg, that people are really attached to. And the more, cause it's exciting because it's all about possibility. Right. Yeah. So it just means, okay, well, you know, like, you know, and like, it's very funny, like I just left my incredible job after seven years of running a beautiful theater, the Grand Theater. And, you know, it's big news, apparently, and we have some papers and all that kind of stuff. And I got home and it was a big deal. Bruce said, Bruce, my husband said, well, it's just information. I was like, totally is. And, you know, that's where you kind of go. You can't get sucked up to, to it any which way. Just information and we're going to move on. And that's great. You know, so it, it most it really works when you do something dumb. When you do something dumb, just think, ah, it's just, you know, I, I spent, spent too much money or I drank too much. It's just information. What can I do better? Okay, great. Mm -hmm. And you just you like yourself a little bit better. And you know, it's you know? it's interesting. I wonder when you're referencing the, uh, the 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 book coach's greatest contribution, it it was ensuring that that what you published was not just information. It, yeah, it yeah, was, yeah. It was the and what and so what yeah, and yeah. and where do I you know, <laughs> what is what does that mean or matter to me uh, or to this this character named Dennis? You know, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he was very he was very saucy and like one edit he you know he circled this one line he said this is the worst sentence in your book <laughs> and I was like okay that's just information right I I actually thought it was hysterical I didn't get like and he was just being a bit catty but he's like yeah make it matter right <laughs> yeah yeah so <laughs> I, yeah, I, I I feel we could talk forever. We we can't. I I don't know what's on your docket. Clearly, to start your new <laughs> life now that now that you've got some space in there. But I I, I just want to put all of that in context. So you know, when you left or before you left, and in that long quiet you referenced at the start of the pandemic, you had tried to tender a resignation uh, to leave your position as AD. Um, and as I as I came to understand in, in, in how you shared that narrative you know, you were surrounded by a pretty loving and supportive community and family, and you chose to withdraw, or at least put that, that decision on hold. Um, and, and there was this gratitude for the reprieve of sorts that this, this Camino walk was going to be able to provide you in whatever way. And I think we've talked about a little bit about how it, it must've felt a bit like you were taking yourself into rehearsal. <laughs> You know, you were the character, you were the, you, you, it was your, it was your story to, to play out and, and you had a, an arc literally to, to walk. Um, you do return, you're able to celebrate and tell the story of a celebrating the, 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 the movement toward beauty of the, of, of restoring and renovating the theater building that, that was able to happen and perhaps only able to happen in the manner and the speed in which it did because nothing else was happening. You guide the ensemble or uh, uh, get the, the team back in to, to get room to the much-awaited opening night and, 
and the rave reviews that came with. And as you've mentioned, it's now Broadway bound. And now you announced to, to step away. So all of that, wow, that's three years or a little less than. And what I'm, I'm really curious about how your letters of resignation were different. <laughs> yeah, and it's such a strange story because it was, you know, many people knew that I, like why eventually knew I left, you know, that I, I went away because I was having a hard time. And, and so, you know, when I did, resigned for the second time you know it was news and not news because it had happened but here's the thing Greg so um how I distill it down is when I so COVID happened I didn't know what to do nothing was happening at theater I felt miserable and I wanted to run away so that's why I resigned now that I've done all this, I want to go to something different and more creative and magical and try something new. So I'm going to something before I was running. I literally wanted to go away and hide and never be seen again. That's when I quit. And that's the reason my incredible board chair, uh, Anita, she said, you're not done. Don't you do this? And it wasn't because she didn't care about the theater. She was like, don't say you're done at the theater. Cause I was kind of lying and saying, well, I think I've done everything I need to do. And she's like, I don't believe you. And that's got me really upset because like uh, she was, she was seeing through my lie two years ago. Right. <laughs> you were seen and she was, and didn't want to be seen. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, no, no. You know? So it was very, well, the beautiful part was when I called the, the board chair and the, the incoming board chair, it was the same board chair, Anita. And I said all this and she was, has been great for the last few years. And, I said it all and she, you know, she said, Dennis, you sound, now you sound great. Now we're sad, but now this makes sense. And now I'm excited for you. Um, I mean, it's interesting what I'm sitting with this week is I, I'm starting to realize it's been such a gift because I, I think, you know, I haven't said this out loud to anybody, but I think if COVID hadn't happened and all these things in the world hadn't happened, I'd probably be just trudging along at the grand doing what I've been doing yeah. without this insight to the possibility of my life. I don't, and I don't know what I'm going to do next, but that again is all a Camino inspiration. I didn't think I'd actually publish the book, Greg, you know, like if that's like what, you know, and I, I look at the book and I, it blows my mind in terms of how did that happen? Yeah. You know? Um, but that's where creativity is a beautiful friend. Well, and, and it's interesting because I suspect, and I don't know this, I don't know when you knew, you know, how far back you knew that that you were coming to to a proper uh, exit. But 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 again, the line in the book, I finally understood that it's okay to let things go and to trust in the way and to honor what mm. is. Felt like it could have been, you know, uh, uh, you, you you could have quoted yourself in the press release. Um, that, so as you <laughs> as as you're at this at at this lovely standing space where there is space around you, and possibility. I'm just curious, what are you most looking forward to letting in now that you've let go? Oh my gosh, happiness. That's the thing that I'm I'm like I'm very clear on that. The other thing about our lives is meaning is about happiness. So if, if, you know, I'm working on a clue I'm going to be directing next year and I've just started working on it and I'm so happy about it. And I think this is irrational, you know, um, but the joy of this excitement is what I want more of in my life. Um, so 
as we all do. So if you have if you have a full time job and you're still happy going to work, and even if you complain about how long your day is and all, that's great. I think just know that that's your happy place, right? Um, and so it's not, you know, it's it, mine is different than others. So um, I think this feeling of ha- just joy, just just you know, joy, and I guess the other word that was going to pop it is whimsy. I just want to fool around a lot more. Like I just want to. I just want to do things I don't know I want to do. As we move to close this conversation, um, and and as I have done in previous conversations, I, I want to invite you to take an imaginative leap with me. Um, it's not a huge ask of you, I suspect. Um, <laughs> so sometime, and, and again, you just use the word theatricality. Um, which again, anybody who knows anything about the theater and reads your voice knows that, that there's a joy in creating something special, something magic. And, and part of the work of a director in the theater is to, is to stage, is to create beautiful imagery that, 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 that speaks to us in ways that, that, that goes beyond the text. So sometime way out ahead in, in the future, uh, your child or a child of the following generation is is going to create a play about Dennis. What are the images that you hope will be present, will be on that stage, this, the, the, the tableau that you'd love that hero of the story to be remembered by? I can see, um, I go right to being eight years old and in the basement in London, Ontario, and the sheet curtain that I put up and the puppets that I create, I, I put together to put on the show and the the three lawn chairs for my family to sit and watch me put on the play. Like, I hope the play is centered there because I think we lose. uh, I think what we discover as children or what I've discovered, I can only speak for myself as a child is how I've lived my, my life, my, my, my worldview, my, curiosity my creativity all comes from that kid in the basement and that is the kid who still does you know I always joke because I ran the drama club in grade 10 and when I went to theater Calgary and went from a you know I think I had a $200 that year in the high school and then I had 10 million dollars and I said it was no different it's really no different for me and it's still no different for me like I'm still I'm not a kid in a candy store because candy is not my thing I'm a kid in a puppet shop you know and I still feel like that so I hope it's about um you know children dreaming and playing Mm, it's lovely thank you thank you thanks for asking thanks for reminding me I have a picture in my picture in my living room it's a picture of me and my sister in black and white um sitting on doorstep and I I put it there on purpose to remind myself you know, and I look really cute and happy and like, I'm like, well, I like him and his socks are too big and his running shoes are adorable and his hair has got no style, but look, he's got a joy in his face. So I'm, I do literally look at that every day to just be a kid. The lovely way to end. Thank you. Thank you. Ellipses Thinking is a proud member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It is produced by Jordan Dollar-Coltman and Greg Dollar-Coltman. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening.
As a resident of Vancouver Island, I wish to acknowledge that I am a visitor on the traditional lands of the Coast Salish people, including the territories of the Snonoas and Qualicum people. The first peoples have been here for over 10,000 years. Their ancestors still here with us in the sky, the land, the ocean, and all of the beings that share this sacred place. As a settler, I gratefully embrace the opportunities for growth as integral to my personal journey of collaboration and reconciliation as I learn and further support the possibilities that lay ahead. I remain committed to practicing my craft in a decolonized space.